Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Law School Lounge podcast. This is a Carolina Academic Press production where we discuss everything law school. The Law School Lounge is a place for students and faculty alike to discuss law school and the law. We hope you'll hang out with us for a while. Welcome to the Law School Lounge, everybody. My name is Crystal Norton, and I am your host. In this episode, my conversation with Professor Tanya Monastir continues, and we are dissecting the art of note-taking as a law student. If you're looking to learn more about Professor Tanya Monastir, please go back to our first episode on being a first-generation student. I give a short overview of Professor Monastir's achievements. And of course, as we are both first-generation students, we do take a more personal approach to the material. If you've already listened, I'm so glad you're here to join us for the next part. Let's talk notes. So then let's switch gears to our next question, which is all on notes and note-taking in law school. What tips do you have for taking notes as a first-year 1L law student? Yeah, I think my number one tip would be take everything down. Take as much down as you can. And this puts me in the extreme minority of professors. And so this advice is going to be against the grain of everything you hear in law school. So you're going to be told, don't take everything down, only take the important things down. Be sure you're listening all the time. You shouldn't be typing furiously. And I'm like in the opposite camp. I'm like, whatever is coming out of the professor's mouth goes down on paper, right? And if you have it, you have it for later, right? And then you can sort out what to do with it when you get home. But if something is not down on paper, my view is it is lost forever. You are not going to remember it. And so your note-taking in your lectures, in your classes, should be to capture as much as humanly possible. And there are certainly downsides to that, right? You're not going to be able to be as engaged with the class. You're not going to be like maybe necessarily absorbing everything. You are not going to be participating as much as other Mm -hmm. people. But I think all those trade-offs are worth it because you will have captured as much as humanly possible, which you can then turn into something usable. And I'm, I'm saying this just in a very pragmatic, utilitarian way. Your final exam is worth 100%. And you need to work backward from that endpoint. You have an exam worth 100%. Everything that's on the exam will have come out of the professor's mouth. I think in like, I've never heard of a case where the professor tested on something that they never mentioned in class. So those classes are golden and you need to memorialize everything that happens with a view to turning that memorialization into a tool that you can then use to prepare for the exam. And so all this stuff about like, oh, you're not a stenographer and you shouldn't be typing and you should be listening. You know, my response to that is, well, (laughs) 
then how am I going to get everything I need for that final exam, right? Like you tell me how I'm going to magically remember everything when science says I'm going to forget 50% of what I just heard in an hour, right? Right. No. And I mean, (laughs) it makes me think of like those days where you have like stacked classes, Mm -hmm. right? So you have by the third class, I'm not, no, just no, it's all, it's just going through one ear and out the other. I I cannot absorb any more information. And that was when it clicked for me personally that I have to do a stenographer. You did? Oh, I'm Thank so glad to hear that. I, I thought I was like selling you on this because every time I say it, people look at me like I'm crazy. No, no, I'm I'm 100% with you. And I will say though, me and Kelly would have been really good With friends. the highlighters? We would have highlighted mm-hmm. together. Yes, I was a very color-coded person, but that's because... I have like a bit of a photographic thing. So colors to me help me put things together. But I think that's a lot of just learning what works for Mm -hmm. you, which you should learn that and know that soon in law school, what works for you as far as studying goes. But no, I was 1000% the stenographer and all of my friends always loved my notes, even if they were not the stenographer type. Of course they did. (laughs) But I don't know, I, I guess, and this really kind of stuck out to me in your book, I could try to participate in a law school class all I wanted to, but I really wasn't adding a whole lot. Right. And the people who think they are adding a lot usually are not, <laughs> right? I mean, I know you talk about, I'm not trying to be rude. It's just, you don't know anything yet. How can you contribute anything? You can't, you have nothing to offer, especially if when you first start. I mean, I think as you move up in law school and you start taking more interest classes versus doctrinal classes, your note-taking approach might look different for many different Right. And if you're taking a seminar class, that's going to be different. An exam that's multiple choice, that might be a little different. But if you're taking like a traditional fact-based exam, like you just want to get everything you can down on paper to figure out what to do with it later. Right. Well, and one thing you talk about too is sort of all the advice you're going to get is is going to conflict with one another. And I think, I think part of that is also just the approaches or the legal rules, even how they're broken down into elements and all of that will look different depending on who you talk Mm -hmm. to. And so having the professor's view is really what matters. And if you don't have that view for their exam to write it down, then you're in trouble because I would have a whole bunch of friends they would say, well, in the study aid, they say X, Y, Z. And I'd be like, cool, but I have right here that the professor said A, B, C, and the professor's reading my exam. So I'm, I'm going to go with A, B, C. 100%. <laughs> and, yeah. It seems logical, right? right? It does. It does. But when you're so trapped in like, well, what's right? Mm-hmm. What, what should I be doing? You just don't think about those things. And the first time I did it, and then all of my friends, are, they were like, yeah, you need to do the ABC. Who cares what XYZ is? Saying? Right. And you might not realize that XYZ is like, well, this only applies when this other thing is true, right? Because you don't know enough to know what exactly you're reading in that study aid, right? Right. Well, or even, I mean, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say this because I work in publishing, but I, there are many times I read things in books for the classes I mm-hmm. teach. And I'm like, I just don't agree with that. Oh, yeah. Or, (laughs) right? Like, I see that differently. And I specifically flag that for my students, right? They say this, that's, and I can think of one example in particular. One, I teach torts, and there's this, and it's for paralegal students. Mm -hmm. And they say that personal injury 
is its own area of law. And tort is its own area of law. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, no. We think of think of a Venn diagram is what I told my students. I'm like, this is tort, the big circle. Yeah. And personal injury is in the big circle. Right. Yeah. It's its own specialization within torts, but it's still torts. Yeah. It's all related. Yeah, it's not contracts. Uh, it's like not another circle. Yes, exactly. And so uh, you know, that's just a clear example that I can remember, but there's not always times you're going to agree with whatever any scholar and every scholar says about a particular topic. Mm-hmm. And so knowing what your professor feels is what you need to know really comes clutch when you get to exam time. Right. It's it's not hard advice. It's just students seem to have a hard time following it because of its simplicity, right? It's like, they, they almost, there has to be some other trick, right? Like all I'm telling you to do is come to class, take really good notes, right? Just do that, right? It seems straightforward, but no, it's like they, they want to do it a different way. They want to get their law from study aids. They want to like go to Quimby and like pull all this stuff together. Like, okay, if that's what you're going to do, that that's fine. But like, before you do that, think about why. Like to what end, right? And uh, so, yeah, I have a hard time selling students on the taking a lot of notes approach, but I'm like, how hard is it? It's like, it doesn't hurt your hand too much. Do you not like typing that much? Is it because other people are giving you different advice? I, I don't know, but it seems like it's not the predominant approach. But, you know, one commonality I see in all, almost all my top students, I can't say all because I'm not 100% sure what all my top students do, but like the vast majority of them take copious notes. And so I'm not saying there's like necessarily a correlation or causation or whatever it is, but there's something to taking those notes because the what was said in class will appear in some way, shape or form on the exam. I think part of it, purely my opinion, is that people, even if they've done well in undergrad and gotten through undergrad, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who don't know how to take notes. Um, And so I think the stenographer approach is like, it's like, you don't know, need to know how to take notes, just, just write everything down and you can organize it later. And I think, and I think that that is helpful for people who don't necessarily how to take notes, but they're so focused on, well, and you talk a little bit about this in your book. Mm -hmm. Do I put this here? Does this go here? Do I use this bullet point? Do I use these things? You know, and it's like with the stenographer approach, you don't need to worry about all that right now. Just write it all down. You're good to go. Write it all down. Yeah. And I think there's a false perception that students will remember things that they absolutely will not remember, right? And so, you know, I say write everything down, write down examples, write down questions that other students ask because things that they dismiss as like, oh, that was just an example. So, you know, she used the Pizza Hut example and we spent like five minutes talking about Pizza Hut or whatever it is. Um, They don't write it down. But then the exam question is based on that example, right? right? And you have determined that you're going to somehow remember that, but you won't, right? Like basic science says you won't. I talk about the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve, which is terrifying that you forget more than half of what you learned by the end of the day. Like by a week later, you've forgotten 90% of what you've learned in that class. So unless it's down somewhere, it is gone. And you were working with a little sliver of information come exam time. 
And you can't recreate something that doesn't exist. And then what you're doing is backtracking and going through your, you know, very sparse notes and rereading the textbook or going to supplements. And you're just doing all this, like, you know, uh, extra stuff to compensate for the fact that you didn't have the notes and you're never going to be able to get where you need to be with limited notes. I agree. I agree. Well, here's something I think we will maybe disagree. Um, (laughs) And so so it's the handwritten versus typing notes debate. Yeah. Okay. I believe you are on the typing side of things. Is that right? No, I'm on neither side. I'm on the do what works for you side, but I believe typing will expedite the process, right? Gotcha. So if you don't mind taking more time in terms of having to write your notes and then somehow like re- jig them in terms of typing, then fine. I don't think one modality works better than, than the other. So, um, yeah, so I hand wrote my notes for a year, year and a half. And then I typed, um, for the remainder of law school. I found that typing, um, was just faster because when I went to the outlining stage, I didn't have to take that extra step of reading my writing and then typing it out. Um, so, but it's not, so it's a time saver thing. It's not like a, I think this is a fundamentally better technique. Does that make sense? It does make sense. No, that does make sense. And so I guess then I'm the person who has more of a, I have like some feelings about this. Okay. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And so I'd love to get your perspective on them. And so myself, I had to do the handwriting thing. Uh, And I did that all through law school. And mostly it was a couple of reasons. One, I could not have my computer in front of me. I got distracted. Uh, Mm, But two, uh, the handwriting and forcing myself to put it into a typed outline forced me to work through the material and like by having it all written out and then having to figure out how it all met and work together and organize it, reorganizing it into my outline not by just copying and pasting helped Mm -hmm. it cement more in my brain. I I agree with you on that. I do. I do. Um, cause I think my first year, year and a half when I was writing, I think really did make me work so hard instead of just cutting and pasting. Um, but the amount of time it took, right. And so sometimes you just have to like, there's only so many hours in the day. So I agree in the ideal world taking notes by hand and then retyping is probably better, but it comes with a trade-off is my concern. Yeah, no. And I think that's a great point. I think too, you have to just figure out whether or not the trade-offs are worth it for you in the long term. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my friends took notes on their computer and that was perfectly fine for them. But for me, I just got too distracted. And I think another thing too is handwriting for me forced me to pay attention in class because in order typing, and this I think might be a generational it's maybe thing. a little mindless. It's yeah. super mindless for me because, you know, I, I still remember where my hand has to go from when I was in like second grade and they made me take typing. <laughs> you know, I yeah. can type without looking at the keyboard. I can, I, yeah. my mind can wander. Whereas if I'm writing and I have like certain amount of space I have in front of me and stuff, it just forces me to think 
more clearly than if I'm just typing something out. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm on the handwritten side of things, but I do know a lot of people who are on the typing side of things. Yeah. And I mean, I just think like handwriting or typing, it's just the modality. Mm-hmm. So to me, what's important is not that, it's what you do after that. And I think that's the problem is we're caught up on this whole debate of like, do I type, do I write as though that were the end in and of itself. And I know there've been studies on this, like, oh, if you write your notes, you know, students who write their notes do better in law school than students who type their notes. And then, you know, students are led to believe that just the very act of writing is what magically makes you do well on, on an exam. And so I, I think that's the fallacy is no, it's like, okay, that's just step one. Now let's take that and put it into an outline. And that's step two. And then you need to study it, right? So like how the information is memorialized is just like just a mode, right? It's just like, is it is it on the computer or is it on a piece of paper? It's what you do with it next that's important. And I think the worrisome thing for me is students who think somehow they're going to write because it because writing itself magically makes them do better on an exam and i i mean i don't think it's true i know that there is um like there's something to do with like the processing function like when you hear something and you have to like think about it and write it down like that that brain circuitry helps cement things more in your mind I got you. um yeah do you know the word for that no, I don't know the word for it off the top of my head, but I do know what you're talking about. And I, yeah, and I know there's there, a word. there has been some, <laughs> yeah, there's been some question about how different that looks if you're typing versus writing, right? Because typing is kind of a form of writing in its own way. So there's a lot of questions right. around that as well, but I don't know the specific terminology. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, either way, it's just the the idea of listening and having to process and then put it down on paper that that very, you know, process is helpful. And I think that's probably true, right? Like, I, I don't disagree with the science on that. I have no reason to. But I think, again, that's a marginal benefit that will help you on September eighth, right? In class. And maybe for a couple of days afterwards, but on December 10th, when you're taking your exam, the fact that you, um, oh, it's called encoding. (laughs) Okay. So it encodes it better in your brain. Okay. Cause you do have it here. The extra encoding effect of handwriting during class is negligible in comparison to where and when the real learning happens during the outlining and study process. Right. Directly from your book. Okay, great. It's always so consistent, right? I was like, what was that word? So clearly, that didn't encode itself on my brain. Um, But yeah, I just think like, sure, in the abstract, the encoding happens. But like three, four months later, I just, I don't know if that is going to carry over, especially when you have 20, 30 classes times four courses. Like all that encoding is not magically going to produce a great exam. No. And I mean, you can write all you want if you're not writing anything relevant or important that's not going to do anything, which I think gets back to your point about writing down examples, writing down questions. And I used to leave myself questions in my notes all the time. Yes. I'd write something down and be like, I have no idea. Don't know what this word means. Look it up later. Yeah. Or look it up. This, yeah. She said some kind of doctrine in class and I don't know that doctrine. You know, I think note-taking people feel that it's very confining, but it really shouldn't be. It should be what works for you in that moment and what will help you remember things later, even if it looks piteous or right. Cause there's now also this trend of 
beautiful notes, oh. right? Yeah. <laughs> My notes were cheap. Yeah, and the special paper or special computer programs <laughs> yes. with margins. Right. I, like I saw these giant, what are they, the Cornell margins? Have you heard about this Cornell no. note-taking system? I don't know. I was like, what is this? So confusing. <laughs> it's like, it's got a margin like a quarter of the way on the page. Oh. And it, I'm just like just get a regular piece of paper, right? And just write. Yes. yes. It's not that hard. Don't worry about all fancy stuff and, you know, color coding and whatever. Just listen and write. And the real work happens after when you start tracking down, what does this word mean? What did the professor say here? How does this doctrine relate to this? Are these the exceptions to this? Or are they the exceptions? Like, you got to piece it all together because you are probably not going to be able to capture all this material through your notes and be able to completely understand everything that's happening, right? Like some of the understanding is going to take a little bit. You'll get there if you have good notes, but it's not, something's got to give, right? Like you can't be that person that totally is tracking everything in class and is on top of everything, can answer every question, is taking down everything the professor says. Like it's not humanly possible. And so you have to prioritize what you want class time to be. Do you want class time to be like you just being immersed in the class in terms of like absorbing it somehow by osmosis? Do you want class to be where you're participating all the time because you think that's going to win you brownie points or you feel like that's important? Or do you want class to be the time where you gather the information you will ultimately need? And so I think that conflicting views as to what class is or should be is at the heart of why students maybe go wrong. And this ties into the Socratic method, which is the big thing we haven't yet touched on and why I think a lot of students maybe resist the intensive note-taking because they're so afraid of being questioned. (laughs) No, and I think that's true. And that leads nicely, I'd say, into our next question. And that finishes up my conversation with Professor Tanya Monastir in relation to note-taking in law school. We covered some really interesting points. We talked about just the general thought on what should be contained in your notes when you're in a law school class. We also discussed the method of taking those notes. And we also talked about why note-taking is important for you as a student while you're preparing for your exams. Now, this lends nicely to the next topic we're going to cover, which is that dreaded Socratic method that every law student knows, which is the method of talking to students and working through materials in the classroom. So join us at the next episode where we talk about how to tackle the Socratic method in a law school class. Again, if you're interested in hearing more of Tanya's incredibly unfiltered and on-point advice, check out her book, Shit No One Tells You About Law School. You can find it on the Carolina Academic Press website at cap-press.com. And also, if you'd be so kind, please give us a short five-star review on whatever platform you use to listen to us. It really helps us draw in new listeners and gain traction in the podcast world. You can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Law School Lounge. Go ahead and follow us there for updates and clips for new episodes. And if you have any episode requests or other comments, 
please send us an email at lawschoolloungepod at caplaw.com. The next episode on Socratic Method is already in your feeds. I will see you over there. Bye.